Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Hello, everybody. It's time for the Mainland Podcast, episode number 101. We're on our way towards our second 100 episodes. Uh, I am Michael Citro, the Mainland.com founder and managing editor. Joining me, as always, is uh, Mainland writer David Rowe. Dave, how are you? I'm good. And, you know, they say that the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Well, this is the journey to the next 100. That's right. And what's the journey? How many steps is the journey to another Orlando City victory? Because that's what I'd like to know. Um, I think I just told you. Okay. A single thousand miles. A single step. Oh, okay. no, not a single step. Oh, I was hoping it was a single step. <laughs> well, I don't know. How, how far is it to uh, New England? Too many steps. Okay. All right. So Orlando City, Dave, coming off a, a very disheartening 2-1 loss at home to the Vancouver Whitecaps, a team that had absolutely no interest in attacking uh, Orlando, had absolutely... Uh, you know, a, a, a second, other than Kendall Waston, uh, pretty much a second team uh, that they threw out there uh, traveling across the continent uh, after a midweek game at home. And, you know, just as you would expect in that situation, Orlando City comes out and peppers their goal with shots, uh, controls all of the passing, controls all of the possession, but as you may not expect with David Usted out of there, uh, only one goal. Only four shots were on target all night out of uh, what, 25 shots, I guess. And uh, only one went in the net. And it mm-hmm. just seemed like one of those nights where uh, somebody had put like a, a clear plexiglass, uh, you know, piece over the goal so that the ball wouldn't go in because I mean how many times did we see the ball just pinging around the box and either people couldn't get onto it or it would hit a hundred things or I, I don't know that was it was a very odd game in a lot of ways it was uh it was a frustrating game because it was always it always seemed like the goal was coming 
and then it didn't and continued to not come. And then uh, Vancouver got a goal. Um, and in, of course, the most ridiculously stupid way possible, an own goal. Uh, the second time in three games that the young center back pairing of Tommy Redding and Jose, and um, Leo Pereira have scored on their own team. And for the second time in three games, a goal against without allowing a shot on goal against in the first half. Uh, it, I don't know. I mean, at this point, what do you do? Just laugh and shake your head because there's really no point in getting upset anymore, right? No, nah, there really isn't. Uh, I, I did all of my uh, groaning uh, during the match and, and my uh, falling to the knees in my living room with my hands held up high going, why? Um, that That's already uh, – I, I did that during the game, and then afterwards, uh, you know, you just come back to reality and you go, well, because that's just the way this season's going. Um, you know, you're talking about that plexiglass in front of the goal. Both you and I grew up up north and played some hockey, and we remember those mm. things that would, they would make you try and hit the, the – shots down low and up high in the corners and all that for uh for hockey shots and you're right it seemed like uh it seemed like they could have put it right at the goal and and magically you know gust of wind would have come along and just blown it out of the way so um you know what was it the coach said uh, only bad luck it, it does seem like the only luck we have is bad luck and i'm not one to chalk it up to that um you know i i i don't think it was necessarily a lack of effort i think Maybe the quality of some of the shots could have been better. So, you know, people will point to that and they say, well, look at all the shots. Yes, but as you mentioned, very few of them were on target. And, um, you know, so I, I can't count how many times when I saw Carlos leaning back as he was, you know, taking that shot. And I, as a matter of fact, the, when he was taking that first free kick, I said to the people that my dad was actually in town, I said, it's going to hit the uh, Heineken board. I was wrong, of course. It went above the Heineken Yeah, board. about a good five rows. By good five rows, I, yeah. I would say certainly the effort was there, and certainly uh, there was a willingness to win there. The, as you mentioned, not a quality in the shots. The, you know, Whether it's in their head now or if they're just trying to be too fine or whatever it is, I don't know. I mean, I mean you, you mentioned Carlos Rivas. He was, for my money, he was the only player on the field for Orlando that was terrible. I would say he was ab- he was just completely yes. terrible. Uh, it was not a good night for Carlos. He uh, he subbed off at the half, and uh, you know, good on Jason Christ for not throwing him under the bus. He said there was a it was a tactical change because right. uh, he said the idea behind starting Carlos was to get um, you know to get him to drop into those areas and play Dom into the box. But uh, you know, I'm just I'm not saying that Jason was being disingenuous, uh, but I'm saying that it didn't matter how you frame it or how you spin it Carlos Rivas was terrible on Saturday night and he needed to come off and uh, I don't know if he was pressing because he wanted to he was getting the start and wanted to you know stake his claim to to start or whatever it was but he was bad and 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 part of the reason that the team couldn't score uh, was because he was launching shots he shouldn't have been launching and I don't I, I I get that I've seen some incredibly magical free kicks from him, but I don't ever want to see him take a free kick no. again. I'm sorry, but I just don't, Carlos. I'm, you know, I know you're listening to the show, Carlos, <laughs> uh, to, you know, probably to, to help improve your English, which I'm not sure this show would actually help with that. No, but, no, uh, but I would say I don't want you to take any free kicks ever again for this team, especially if Yoshimar Yotun is on the pitch, especially if Dom Dwyer is on the pitch. I don't want to see Carlos take those free kicks. 
No, uh, you know, if uh, if Will Johnson's out there, if Yoshi's out there, if Kaka's out there, if Dwyer's out there, I mean, there's a lot of people that are going to, I'm going to, you know, put, heck, Scott Sutter, let him take it. Because um, I look at him when he, you know, he brings the ball down and he, and he puts those, uh, those crosses in. I, I think he might be more accurate. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're right, uh, Carlos, uh, for everything, you know, that he has with the speed and the power and whatnot, um, I think when he's standing still, he doesn't choose well. I think if he's if he's like a toddler and he's running so fast that he's trying to trip over his feet and then he takes a shot so that his head is down, that's when that magic goal happens. Uh, if he's standing there, he picks his head up and, and it you know pick which row you want it to go in. Um, so it, yeah, I don't, I agree with you. He, he doesn't need to be doing that. There's plenty of other people who could um, you know, and I don't want to you know, pick on him too much. I mean, obviously the, the man plays hard and you're right, Jason, uh, it, but Jason is not being disingenuous. It was a tactical, uh, move and the, uh, tactical reason was you needed to get him off the field. Yeah, no, I mean, he obviously, uh, expanded on his, uh, his talk about tactics, but which, you know, and, and on the surface of it, it made complete sense. Uh, but my guess is that he just saw a player that was playing terribly and needed to come off the pitch. Um, I, I'm going to go out and I'm just going to go ahead and spoil this now. Carlos is not my man of the match and I'm going to, I'm, just, I can't, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'm assuming he's not your man of the match. Uh, this no, either. no, no, no. So the second, uh, second half comes out, you know, it's one, nothing. And then of course, uh, I thought <laughs> I've seen a lot of hate on, on social media for Leo Pereira. Uh, but I thought Pereira was one of the best players on the pitch in the first half. Uh, he did make a big mistake in the second half that led to a break um, and led to the goal by, of course, of course it was going to be Breck Shea. Uh, of course. Breck Shea has been known to launch a few in his time, but of course, against us, he has the perfect uh, back post chip uh, over Joe Bendit. <laughs> uh, don't know where he learned that one. We haven't seen that one from him uh, in Orlando, but, um, you know, g- you know, good for Breck. I-, I like Breck. I have nothing but good things to say about Breck Shea. And it-, it just hurts a little bit that he's the one that, that, uh, won the game for them with that second goal. Um, it- you can see, if you watch the replay, uh, Pereira makes the turnover. Igita immediately points to Shea yep. and yeah. Tommy Redding doesn't immediately go to Shea. He tries to come and close down, um, Hurtado and, uh, I think Higuita felt like he had Hurtado covered, uh, that he would he would be able to run him down. He was about a step and a half behind him, but he didn't have the ball, and Hurtado did. So he probably felt like he could come and get him and wanted uh, Redding to play shade over towards Shea, and he did not do that. And uh, by the time the pass was released, there was no way Redding could have recovered and, and, and gotten uh, Shea covered. I mean, Shea's got pace. So, um, you know, it was well played by Vancouver on the break. And it was poorly played at the back by uh, by by Redding actually on that, and of course Redding had the the own goal, so it was a tough night for him. But of course they were in that position in the second half because uh, of a bad pass from Leo Pereira, uh, yeah. and I'd be hard pressed to find many mistakes on the night other than those two really. Um, everything else that Vancouver got going forward was as a result of throwing numbers forward to try to get back in the game. So uh, it's it's there, really tough. There, there were some times where uh, Redding ended up having to turn and chase uh, a little bit too much. Uh, I felt he was uh, made some bad decisions on his positioning. Um, you know, got people got around him a little too easily. Um, you know, for shots on Joey B, which you know, those 
fortunately, you know, Bendick was able to take care of, but it was, it was just something I, I noticed. I don't think, you know, Tommy had the best game as, you know, forget the own goal. I mean, just despite that, um, you know, I don't feel it was his best outing. Uh, and I know there was some, uh, I can't remember who wrote a, something about it, or if it was our internal board that, uh, you know, perhaps a, a, a different position than center back might be uh, good for him. But uh, um, regardless, uh, as you mentioned, the center backs, you know, if, if anybody doubted uh, that we would miss uh, Jonathan Spector, um, there should be no doubt now. And unfortunately, we're going to be without Jonathan for another week or two, um, apparently. So that's not good. His knee is not healing as quickly as we were led to believe when the uh, announcement came. Um, as I think they originally said two to three weeks. I think we're at mm-hmm. three now and going on four to five uh, is how it's uh, going to end up going. But uh, And then, of course, he's got to get back into uh, to playing fitness. So, um, yeah, it just has been one thing after another this season. And uh, it, we'll talk more about the uh the one thing after another in a, in a little bit uh i agree to a point about reading but it wasn't his best game but i think that a lot of his um and let's not act like vancouver had a lot of chances they only had a few chances uh but right. i think a lot of the t- the problem was he was left in space alone because there were numbers getting forward and he had a lot of space to cover against some very mobile players so it was never going to be easy for him in that situation i thought that and um, that's fair uh, the you know, it was nice to, to pull the goal back, uh, a fantastic ball from Yotun to get his first MLS assist to get the ball into uh, Laren, uh, who absolutely made no mistake with his placement uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and made it 2-1. It was good to see Kyle scoring again, although now he gets to go do that for, for Canada. Canada. Uh, good old know. Canada. And, um, you know, so it's 2-1. And uh, then the game, as the game wore on, I really felt like a second goal was coming, and it just felt like it was coming. And then Barnes crushed the crossbar. And then I thought, okay, it's, it's not our night. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the writing was on well, the wall earlier when you had that, the two that ping pong. Yeah. The two scrambles in the box, the one yeah. where uh, I'm pretty sure Igita got fouled from behind on the first of those scrambles. Uh, oh, blatantly. But uh, you know, there was no, no call coming for that. Um, it seemed like anything that Orlando did, uh, was carded. It seemed like it took um, five or six fouls against one guy to get a card the other way. It was just one of those nights, and uh, it was it was um, frustrating. Just another night in a in a series of them that we would rather forget. And uh, so Vancouver surprisingly remains one of the teams that Orlando City has never beaten, uh, despite the fact that Vancouver has never really been particularly good. Just kind of hovering around the last playoff spot in the West the last three years. Um, but, uh, you know, in the end, it's another dropped uh, three points uh, and it's another loss at home, which is uh, worrying. Uh, the the crowd wasn't a sellout. And, um, you know, it was uh, I think the I think a lot of the fans have said uh, it's, it's time to move on to 2018 at this point. But, right. um, you know, there I, I still look at the standings and I still look at, uh, OK, in baseball terms, you're still about two games out, maybe two and a half at this point. Uh, can it be done? It can be, but I just don't see any any sign of it turning around, and it's not going to get any easier. Uh, missing a plethora of uh, of players, and again, we'll we'll talk about that momentarily. Uh, let me get your man of the match, Dave. You know, my man of the match. Uh, it was it, it was a tough decision. Uh, I thought uh, obviously uh, Yotun had a uh, an excellent match. Um, you know, he was um, 
on the ball quite a bit. Um, you know, his passing percentage wasn't the best, but you know, he did he did have the ball at his feet a whole lot. Ninety nine um, touches. Yes, that's a lot so of touches. That is a lot of touches, and he did have that assist. Uh, uh, you know, for his first assist, so that was excellent. But I'm going to give it to the man who I've uh, occasionally given some some flack to, and that's uh, Christian Higita. And this is more so. Uh, it's it's a little bit of a cumulative effect. He had a good game last game. He had I thought he had an excellent game this time. 85% passing, uh, 71 passes, three tackles, uh, one four fouls, conceded three, created chances. You know, uh, he he looked sharp, and um, and I was sitting there and as many times as you know we've heard people you know talk about oh hey maybe he's the one that gets traded. And we even joked that, you know, hey, you know, when he started playing well, well, he's playing for his position. Well, you know what? I don't know if there was a light switch that turned or what it is, but at least for two games in a row now, he has been playing well. And I'm going to reward him for it uh, with my man of the match. All right. I almost had him as my man of the match. In fact, I would have had him as my man of the match uh, until uh, the news came out today that he got a yellow card, not Tommy Redding, on Saturday night. And I went back, I looked at the play, and um, yeah, uh, it, just and completely unnecessary. I, I don't feel like it was a foul on Tommy, first of all. See, I think Tommy won the ball, and the guy tripped over the ball, and they called a foul on him and gave them a free kick in a dangerous area. And, right. um, you know, they you go back and look at it, and Christian kicked the ball away in frustration. And it was too close. He doesn't need to be in the ref's face. He, it, he, he had nothing to do with that. That's between right. him and Tom, it's between Tommy and the ref. And once once the foul is called, it's over for him. It's got to be only the captain that approaches yeah. the referee. And so I feel like that boneheaded move by him, which is going to cost him the New England game, mm-hmm. is, is enough to knock him. Even though he probably had the best um, night in terms of his overall play of anybody on the field. It knocks him. That decision knocks him out of man of the match for me. And I'm giving it to Yoshi because I thought, you know, you could say, well, Yoshi had the lowest passing on the team, but it was still 75 percent. And considering the fact that considering the fact that he had 99 touches, he had the he had the most touches, the second most amount of passes. And um, he he spent much of the night up and around the box uh, where he was trying to break down a, a parked bus. Uh, yeah. I felt like, and plus he, he really came close on a few shots on the night too. So um, worried the goalkeeper, but again, a little bit off, uh, just missed a little bit high a couple of times. I think, uh, you know, we had the, the one that uh, Barnes hit against the crossbar. We had a couple that were just wide. So again, just trying to be he, a little too fine. Uh, but he I also give it had, uh, he had some good um, uh, corner kicks uh, in that actually got into the box for opportunities to score. So, yeah, I mean, and they were, that's why they were pinging around and unfortunately right. no one, no one could get on them. And that's, well, if Yoshi it. had been in there, maybe he would have been able to put in his corner kick. Yeah, right. That's all he's got to do is he's got to kick it and then run really fast. <laughs> it's just got to be in two places yeah. at once. It's not that hard. No, you just got to beat the ball. Just be faster than the, than the ball. That's all. Right. That's all. No big deal. All right, so as we mentioned, Krishna Gita suspended uh, again for yellow card accumulation. And if you go back through those yellow cards and take out the stupid ones where he just got in someone's face or uh, did something petulant. Uh, he have zero? You know, oh, just that's, that's, you know, he would he would still not have had one suspension, let alone coming up on his second. Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's one, he's your midfield destroyer. He's going to get yellow cards. But those should be for fouls. Those should never be 
for dissent. Those should never be for kicking the ball away or whatever, uh, or yelling at the referee. I, it yeah, makes, I'm, it, I'm okay with a tackle from behind if it if it's stopping a breakaway. Right, or like and that. that's that's when a a guy like uh, like Ozzy Alonso, uh, we've seen Will Johnson know, do it. Yeah, I mean that's that's what a defensive midfielder gets yellow cards for. Uh, you don't, uh, you don't, you're not supposed to get him for, for just doing the silly things. And that's got to get cleaned up. I know he's still a young guy, but now this is his third year in the, in the top flight here, uh, in the U S so he's got to get that crap out of his system. So clean it up, Christian. Uh, I know you're again, he's like, also like, listening. like Carlos, he's much, you know, regular listener, I'm sure. Um, cause why wouldn't he be? Um, anyway, Dave, uh, we're also going to be missing Will uh, Will Johnson. Uh, Still, he said they they say day to day with the ankle. Uh, I will say this at the uh, stadium the other night when I went down for the press conference, he was in front of me and he just kind of walked down those steps like very you know very nimbly, like uh, nothing was wrong. Of course, he, that's a lot different than trying to cut on on grass. But uh, yes, <laughs> with well, while know, while somebody's hanging on <laughs> to yeah, your shoulder, going and shoulder, there's shoulder. a ball at your feet. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he's looking good, and I I would. I would expect that even if he misses this week, that he might be back for the next game. Um, and, uh, you know, even if he was healthy, he wouldn't be playing this weekend because he'd be with Canada. So, yeah. uh, so Will Johnson's out. Jonathan Spector is out. Uh, Richie Larea is dealing with a hamstring issue. Uh, he injured himself in the game Saturday night. You could see him grabbing the, uh, grabbing the leg as he <laughs> moved around. And so he's out. Uh, so you're, you're now missing, uh, you're missing Kyle Lahren. Five. Uh, and Yoshimar Yotun. Six. So they're on inter- those last two are on international duty. So, um, so pretty much OCB is going to New England uh, <laughs> this weekend. And uh, wait, and, and including Earl Edwards Jr. Even though he's not starting. That's right. Earl Edwards Jr. Uh, is is on. Uh, so Dave. Yeah. It, it's it's. You know, it's almost the end of the season, and at this point, we can just basically not worry about results. Uh, but it would be nice to at least win one more game before the end of the season, right? It would be. And this is one that it could happen. Well, I would have said that, too, without all those guys being out. But um, Well, it, wait, did you hear how many <laughs> octaves my voice went up when yeah, I said that? I yeah. did. But and, and, I, and, you know, New England's not very good, but if you look at uh, their home form, they're actually a pretty good home team. Uh, they've just been abysmal on the road. I mean, New England right. is 0 10 and 3, 13 games away from home. They have three points to show for it. Uh, but at home, 8 2 and 2, that's very good. In fact, yes. that is better than Orlando City uh, yeah. at home. So, um, you know. And our away record's not that great either. <laughs> yeah, our, our away record is uh, 2 7 and 3. So uh, at least nine points on the road rather than three. And at least we've t- tasted some victory on the road. Uh, the Revolution are uh, one of just two teams without a road win uh, because uh, Colorado's the other team uh, because Minnesota United finally got their first road victory this past weekend. So uh, good for them. Good for Adrian Heath. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we turn our attention, Dave, toward a team that's above the red line uh, and looks to be in a pretty good spot with four games left to make the playoffs, and that is the Orlando Pride. They went out to FC Kansas City, the second game of a two-game road trip after uh, winning at Boston last week. 
And uh, they come away. It looks like they, they come out. They score early. It looks like they're going to do pretty well. Kansas City kind of gets a foothold in the game. They're very difficult at home. They're very difficult to break down with the, the defenders they have, Sauerbrunn and, uh, and Averbuch in the middle. Those two are, are very strong center backs in NWSL. They have a good goalkeeper, Nicole Barnhart, who also plays like an extra, uh, like almost like an extra sweeper out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, plays very high at times. And I'd really like to see somebody's... Uh, you know, midfield uh, chip attempts against them. But, uh, you know, we, we didn't get to see any of that. But uh, so they come out, they, they come back and they tie the game. It's 1-1. And it looks like it's going to end up with a pretty decent road point uh, for the Pride. But then with just a couple of minutes to go, uh, Marta gets uh, a free kick. She spins it in. And uh, just a tremendous flick by Alex Morgan, who extends her goal-scoring streak to five games. And uh, it, ex- it extends uh, Orlando Pride's uh, winning streak to four games. And five unbeaten. That's right. 4-0-1 oh, in the last five. Uh, coincidentally, uh, not so coincidentally, uh, along with Morgan's scoring streak. So uh, I think, <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, I think, I think there's pretty good reason for those wins. Uh, Dave, the team coming down the stretch has a very difficult schedule. They do have Boston at home. They have to win that game because Boston has not been good on the road or even mm-hmm. at home, really. And yep. uh, then they've got some very difficult games. They've got Seattle, who they're battling for the last playoff spot or per, for playoff positioning with. Seattle comes in. Then Portland Thorns, one of the two best teams in the league, comes in. Mm-hmm. And they have Tobin. They'll probably have Tobin Heath back for that game. And yeah. Orlando will be a little bit uh, sluggish, maybe, because all of the Brazilians and Australians will be coming back from Australia from those two friendlies uh, between those two countries that are over in Australia that week. So they'll be getting back. uh, I want to say they might be back Wednesday night or maybe Thursday morning. That's in plenty of time for them to, to be able to be available for the game, but how much juice will they have in those legs? I don't know. And, and that that's, you know, you're talking about a lot of players there between the Brazilians and the Australians. So that's right. five, uh, five starters, five, right five starters. So, you know, three for Brazil and two for Aussies. So uh, the Matildas, um, you, you know, uh, I feel I, I feel fine about the next game against Boston. I, I think they I think they take care of business. I think the the Marta Morgan um, partnership, the the thing that they've got going on now is uh, is. Excellent. I think they're getting the feel for each other as, you know, two uh, pros, you know, of that level are going to do. Uh, and I think it's showing and, and we, we said it all year. Hey, just wait, just wait, just wait. Well, here it is, guys. Yeah. You know, and it, it's happening. So uh, I feel pretty good about that after that. OK, yeah, you're right. There are a bunch of difficult games, but I will say this. I as as much as I look at that New England game for uh, the, the men's team and I go, eh. I look at almost any pride game and go, well, yeah, you know, we got a chance. Oh yeah, for sure. There's a chance. I don't care where it is. I don't care who we're playing. Uh, I don't care, you know, if they're coming back off international duty. That's a team right now that is playing as good as any in that league. Uh, And and I think that, you know, we we talk about, you know, Portland being up there near the top and and rightly so. but just imagine if we had had uh, Marta and Alex from the beginning of the year and they'd had that much more time to to work together and for some of the others to develop. I mean, we're talking about almost, you know, uh, more of a half season for this team as it is now um, coming into 
coming into shape and coming into form and, and, and learning to play with each other. So uh, it's um, I, I think they may they might be I mean, I, I know they're already pretty high, but it could be that they would be in a better position if we had had all of that, all those pieces together longer. But regardless, they're here now. And so I think that gives them, uh, you know, as good of a chance as any team out there. I mean, it, it I, I don't worry about them. I mean, I know that even if they drop a game, it's not going to be because they didn't not only play hard, but also play well. It's just that, you know, they got beat that night, which can happen. But um, from, from here on out, I go into every game going, oh, yeah, pride can win. Sure, they can win. I mean, there's. I'm not trying to, to sell their opportunity short. Also, the fourth match in there is on the road at first place North Carolina, which, by the way, uh, North Carolina is in first place despite having two games in hand on everybody. So uh, here's the thing. Yeah. It's very easy to look at Orlando's lineup and say, Ashlyn Harris, Alex Morgan, Marta, Camilla. Oh, my goodness, Allie Krieger. This is the best team in the league. But that... You know, that Portland and North Carolina roster takes a, a backseat to no team, including this oh, one. Oh, sure. Uh, let's let's start with North Carolina. North Carolina uh, Courage. They are, don't forget, the defending champions of the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the Western New York Flash. They are now North Carolina Courage. But they are very well coached. And, you know, like I said, don't have the biggest, splashiest names. But they're every bit as good and is, and probably deeper than the Pride. Um I mean, just look at what they've done. They've stayed in first place, despite the fact that they've played fewer games than everybody. So, right. uh, you know, they're they're definitely a difficult team to beat. I think Orlando, well, Orlando beat them once when they were Western New York and beat them once as North Carolina. So they've gotten some wins in that series, uh, but certainly uh, at North Carolina will make things much more difficult. Um, the Portland Thorns are a team that I don't believe uh, Orlando has beaten the Portland Thorns. And so, so it was so it's about time is yeah, what you're saying. I'm saying they're due, but also they, it's you know, they yet. would have to do something that they've never done before. Now, with all of that going on, Sky Blue, which is four points back of Orlando, has a fairly easy schedule the rest of the way. They have one tough game and three that they're quite winnable. In fact, that they have Sam Kerr makes all four of those winnable. So by herself, the yeah. pride need realistically, I mean, to, I mean, to clinch definitively need seven points out of nine. That's going to be tough against that, that row of opponents. I'm not saying they can't do it. They could win all four games, but it's not going to be a gimme. And they certainly need to win a minimum of two of those last four and probably need two wins and a tie in the last four to, to get by. And if they lose to Seattle, it gets even dicier because Seattle sure. is uh, one of the teams that are competing for that, those last spots. There's really only two teams that are officially eliminated at this point, and North Carolina could become the first team to clinch uh, this week. They could become the, the first team to clinch a playoff spot, uh, one of the coveted four spots. So we're, you know, I'm optimistic. I think the Pride have been playing fantastic soccer. If yeah. they take care of business at home that would be enough that would be you know nine points if they won the three home games including a win over seattle that would pretty much put seattle out of it um sky blue could still sneak in uh well no this the sky blue could not sneak in if orlando pride got three wins uh the, the sky blue would need uh orlando to drop four points right in order to have a chance to sneak in there um and that's like I said, that's if Sky Blue wins out. And they could, but 
It but, looks uh, good. They've got all the same things that they got to worry about that we do. So right. it know, looks it's... good for the pride. It really does. But they they have to stay on this role, and they absolutely need to beat Boston. Well, I think that, um, like you said, the home games are going to be the important ones. I, I at bare minimum, I, I, I would. My my thought is is that they will bare minimum two wins and a draw. I don't I don't see them losing at home, but um, you know, so that's at least. Uh, seven out of the nine, and if they can, you know, grab one away uh, or grab three points away at some point, you know, then it's done. So uh, there's, uh, you know, that would be North Carolina. That's the only remaining road game. Well, yeah, well, hey, stranger things have happened. So (laughs) I don't know that that's true, but. (laughs) <laughs> we'll see. Uh, the, the, the fact of the matter I, I is... I can't wait for that to happen. If we went away, I'm going to remind you of that. Even if they do win at North Carolina, I'm not sure they gain much because uh, North Carolina might be shutting it down uh, a bit because... And then they would probably have to turn right around and play North Carolina play again on the road in the first uh, first round. So uh, what they're looking at now is unless Portland stumbles, um, you're not going to finish any higher than third. So you're either going to play North Carolina... Uh, you're not gonna, either going to fit finish against North Carolina or Portland in the first round, most likely Portland would need to stumble pretty badly for uh, Orlando to make up five points on them. Um, they could get over Chicago because they're right now they're tied on points. In fact, they have a better goal differential and, and everything on Chicago, but Chicago has this season series win over Orlando, which is uh, apparently the tiebreaker in the NWSL, unlike in other leagues uh, that we follow. So, um, you know, Orlando just take care of business win your home games uh, get that first win over Portland, beat Seattle, and uh, beat Boston, and you're and you're pretty much in. So, and 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 all those other things, all those you know, uh, little this and that, and this has to do. All I care about is we're talking about playoffs. Yeah. playoffs. We're talking about an Orlando team in the playoffs. Well, how exciting! Let's continue to talk about an Orlando team in the playoffs because a another Orlando team is above the red playoff line as well, and that is the Orlando City B Young Lions. They are uh, in sixth place in the USL's Eastern Conference after an incredibly impressive three-nil win at Louisville City, and that is a game that I thought they would get absolutely waxed on the road against a team that I consider the best team in the USL. Uh, Certainly uh, Orlando got the better of them at Louisville Slugger Field on Saturday. Two goals from Michael Cox, a goal for, uh, I believe Timbo got the third goal. And so Timbo had a goal and an assist and a yellow card, which is a Paul Scholes hat trick. uh, I believe is how that works. (laughs) And uh, so it's great that uh, Anthony Pulis, who people were complaining about and saying needed to lose his job early in the year has climbed that team up to sixth place, 11 straight without a loss, Dave. 11. Let that sit in everybody's crawl. 11. I expect there to be crow being eaten. I have have suggested that the Orlando City Communications Department needs to swap around its folks and let the OCB people take over MLS team and the MLS uh, communications folks deal with OCB so that they can get some wins up in, at the major league <laughs> soccer level. Make, so, so they can feel good about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then the other thing I suggested was perhaps uh, people want Christ out. Maybe they swap with uh, Anthony Pulis. And, and, and uh, yeah, so then Christ would be in charge of OCB and Pulis would be the uh, MLS coach. Um, because that's impressive. 11 games without a loss. I don't care what league you're in. And yes, a ton of those were, were draws, but 
it, who cares? You know, you also have to. I just have so much respect for the team. They went to first place in the East, Charlotte, and got a draw. Then they, uh, then Louisville overtook them and became first place in the East. And they went to Louisville and got a three 0 win without Richie Larea, without Haji Berry, without Tony Rocha, without Earl Edwards Jr. Yes. So all the guys who were a big part of that up until that point, ten game unbeaten. Uh, are suddenly not there. And so you have the other guys step up. I mean, Michael Cox with the brace. I mean, and, and those two goals, if, if, if listeners haven't seen them, they're, they're on the, uh, the, the recap for the, uh, on the mainland. Mm-hmm. Go watch them. Uh, two incredible. The first one, a, a hard, hard angle from the right-hand side, bounces off the post, goes in. And the second one was an absolute screamer from the left. Yep. I mean... It was, I mean, just buried the moment that it, that it left his foot. Absolutely. That screamer is the absolute correct term for that second goal by, by Michael Cox. So, um, you know, the Young Lions have to uh, play Thursday night uh, against Bethlehem Steel. They're at home finally. And uh, so they're going to they're gonna get to, to play in front of the friendly folks at the, their own building. And finally, we don't have a triple game day Saturday, uh, Dave, which is huge for me. Um, yeah. The next two games for OCB, they're going to be Thursday uh, against Bethlehem Steel and then uh, Thursday, September 7th at home against Richmond. And, and a pretty good schedule the rest of the way. I think there's only two more road games and uh, the difficult teams they have left to play are at home. Tampa and uh, and uh, Charleston, I believe, is, is how the schedule sets up the rest of the way. So this team could... Dave, I don't even want to dare dream this. They could finish <laughs> ahead of the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Oh, how sweet would that be? Oh, that would be amazing. That would be so sweet. So that game, uh, there would the be end, party. The game at the end of the year against the Rowdies uh, might have pretty significant uh, uh, ramifications. Uh, we'll we'll have to see. But yeah, as, as if that game wouldn't already be a uh, attendance breaker if it's if it actually has some importance. Oh man. So hey, congratulations to Anthony Pulis and his side. Uh, that man that scored the brace to lead OCB to a win. Michael Cox had 11 goals in the USL last year. He was the leading scorer for OCB. But this year, derailed a bit at the beginning of the year, had some injuries, had some problems coming back from those injuries. Took him a while to get back into fitness. And uh, he's one of those uh, gentle giants, you know, quiet but but big. And I I had the opportunity to talk to Michael Cox uh, about uh, OCB's season and the, the unbeaten streak and his night against Louisville. And uh, why don't we get to that interview right after this? All right. Joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, we are pleased to have with us from Orlando City B, striker Michael Cox. Michael, thanks for being with us on the podcast. Thank you. Well, I, uh, I want to start off by asking you, you know, I... I you know, you started off the season uh, with some some injury issues and, and having to regain fitness and all of that. And it's been, uh, you know, a little bit more crowded at the striker position for OCB this year. Uh, but you finally were able to to get a couple of goals and, and a, a, just a huge win at Louisville City. Uh, it's got to feel pretty good to get the monkey off your back and, and finally uh, get a couple of goals. Yeah, for sure. I was striker. I always want to score goals. And I was to get back on the score sheet. So what was it like uh, going in there to Louisville Slugger Field uh, against uh, the league leaders and uh, being able to, to jump on them fairly early and, and come away with a 3 nothing victory? Oh, it was good. It was a good result for us. We know they're a tough team, and 
they're very hard to beat, especially on their home field. And we wanted to go there and uh, put pressure on them early. And um, it showed it paid off for us. So what's it like being uh, a part of this 11-game unbeaten streak? I mean, uh, you know, are the guys just really, really loose? I mean, what, what's the atmosphere at training? I mean, we, we, we always have our objectives that we're building towards, where, uh, whether we're result or not. Um, we're building to get better as a team and um, improving the things that we need to work on. So, I mean, it's good, but we still got to keep pushing because uh, it's tight in the table. Absolutely, the uh, you know the USL Eastern Conference has been uh, it's been tight all season long, and and there's been a lot of changes at the top. And you guys have climbed, uh, you know, just within a few points. You've been anywhere from you know tenth, eleventh place now all the way up to sixth. Um, what do you see as the toughest remaining challenges uh, for the club uh, in the home stretch of this uh, 2017 schedule? Uh, well, when we come up against the teams that uh, we're battling with. Uh, close to on the table, we got to make sure uh, we win those games um, and just continue on with our form that we're doing to finish out the season and hopefully push into the playoffs. How did you keep your head up and stay positive uh, during, you know, the early part of the season when, uh, you know, maybe you were you got a couple of games early, but maybe you weren't quite um, 100% physically. And then, you know, Haji has played and, and Albert Dequa and uh, Ben Polk and just a lot of different combinations. How to stay positive, positive and keep your focus on uh, on getting yourself game ready? Um, well, I mean, it, it's always going to be a process, whether I'm, I'm playing or not. Of course, um, dealing with the injury, I had to go through a lot and it was a tough time. Um, but just mm-hmm. continuing to to work hard and uh, continue to practice the things I need to do in training, and uh, I, I know it will all come together sooner or later. One of the staples of this team in uh, 2017, and really last year too, but maybe more so this year, is the just the, the tremendous turnover from week to week that uh, we're seeing in the lineup uh, with MLS guys and, and certainly a, a number of USL, uh, you know, contracted guys uh, taking the field in, in different, uh, for, you know, different uh, combinations every week. Um, what has that been like for you in terms of, you know, sharing a, a position that, you know, you only get one or two of them on the field in any particular game. And, and it seems like, uh, you know, just a, a really good depth for the team this year, as opposed to last year. Uh, you know, what, what has that whole been, that whole thing been like for you this season? Um, I mean, it's, it's a little bit similar to, to last season. Yeah, I play a bit more at this point last season, but, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not too big of a difference. Really, um, it happens in uh, soccer, and I've been to positions um, like that before. So um, I just kind of just continue getting on with it and training, and just hopefully to be ready when I'm called upon. All right. Well, um, this has been, I guess, a, a pretty exciting season in the in the 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 respect that you guys have already got the same number of points that you had all of last season. Um, what have you seen in terms of, of 
um, growth from last year to this year from head coach Anthony Pulis, who is, uh, you know, he's still a young coach and still kind of learning and gaining experience. But, uh, you know, what are you seeing that's different from him this year? And uh, or, or is he basically just the same guy? Um, he's pretty similar, it appears to me, at least. Um, I don't really notice too much of a, a change, you know, he's, He's organized and the way he goes about things, and um, uh, not too much of a change for me. All right. Well, you know, when the, one of the things that it's hard to gauge for for people outside the club is is you know how you know how um, a coach's demeanor is you know in terms of of how he addresses you guys and how he how he is at training. Is he a really serious guy? Does he have a, a light you know kind of uh, humorous side. I mean, how, how would you describe Ant's um, personality? Um, I mean, yeah, he, he's humorous. I think he, at times when he needs to be serious, he's serious. And at times when he, he can be loose, he is loose, you know. Um, he's, he's a good personality to be around as a coach for sure, I'd say. All right, well, we've got, uh, let's see, uh, Bethlehem, Steel coming up and uh, and Richmond at home, a little bit of a home stand, um, and and actually you know one two three five home games remaining. Uh, where do you guys see yourselves in terms of uh, you know h- how high can this team climb and and how long can you keep this unbeaten streak going? I mean anything can happen, but um, I think we see them as very winnable games, um, but. Of course, it won't be easy, so um, we just got to stay focused and um, go out there and do what we're good at and continue the home run. So trips to St. Louis and Richmond still to come. Um, did you learn anything from the earlier games uh, against St. Louis and, and at Richmond uh, that you can uh, use moving forward for those two road games? Um, in the St. Louis game, I didn't play in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Richmond, um, yeah, they're, they're a good side defensively. Um, um, I know they're vulnerable on the counterattack, so um, maybe that's something we could look to exploit more this next game coming up. You know, one of the things that has been interesting uh, following OCB is to see uh, to see some of the guys get, uh, you know, getting their opportunities. Obviously, Richie Larea has been uh, able to get some minutes this year uh, with Orlando City's MLS side. And a guy that a lot of people are talking about is Pierre Da Silva, a young kid. And, and you know, he's uh, he's played very well. And, uh, you know, what are you seeing from him this year in terms of his growth from last year? Um, I see a lot more confidence um, when, when he gets the ball. He... Um... He can be direct, and uh, he he knows his job to get the ball in the box. And um, it showed that it's paid off for him this season with him up there and with the assist leaders. Now, are you look to to be sort of a, a you know you because you're one of the older guys, I guess. Uh, are you a little bit one uh, you know a mentor type to Albert Dequa? Is that sort of part of your role as a striker? I mean, yeah. Um, after training, you know, we do we do a few things sometimes, and um, 
you know, we both helped each other out really, I think. Um, as a player, we, we, we can all learn something from each other. So, uh, um, in that sense, yeah, uh, I do mentor him a little bit, but I can also say he helps me out as well. In terms of your health and how fit you've felt physically, when did you really feel like you were 100% back, or are you still working toward that? Um, I would I would say in maybe the last month or so, I, I feel better than I've ever felt. But um, it's, still a, it's still a process coming, I'd say. But um, I'm definitely uh, feeling good. Better Go than I've felt. That's great. We're glad glad to hear that. Did uh, you know was was Anthony Pulis or, or Rob Valentino? Were those guys really um, helping you keep your chin up during that time, or the trainers? And who who was it that really helped you through that time? I mean, of course, they were supportive of me. Um, they're always pushing uh, for me to uh, improve, um, and no one really, I'd say. Um, it was, it was just a process, um, still a process going, um, but yeah, we're here now. Well, uh, Michael Cox, we really appreciate you being with us. Before we let you go, uh, just want to get a sense of uh, what you see, uh, you know, for this upcoming match against Bethlehem Steel. What are you, you know, what are you guys talking about? What, who do you guys need to to focus on and and uh, and shut down and, and, you know, you as a striker, have you been studying those, uh, I'm sure you've been studying those defenders and that goalkeeper. Um, you know, what, what do, what is uh, Thursday have in store for us? Um, I'm not too sure yet. We haven't done the analysis of the team together to, uh, really go back and look at them. We know that they've been doing well and picking up points as a recent, but, um, it's still, we still got to look into them. All right, fair enough. Well, uh, Michael Cox, uh, striker from Orlando City B, thank you so much for being with us on the Mainland Podcast, and uh, certainly the best of luck to you and uh, the Young Lions the rest of the season. Thank you. All right, well, uh, thanks to the gentle giant Michael Cox, uh, a soft-spoken young man, but he speaks uh, pretty loudly with his uh with his uh, strike foot as he uh, scored two goals against Louisville city. We really appreciate Michael Cox coming on the show and appreciate Lucas uh, from Orlando city communications for setting that up for us. Really appreciate that. Uh, as we uh, wind it down episode number one Oh one Dave uh, of the mainland podcast, we still have to get to our key matchups and predictions for the new England game on Saturday. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about the U.S. men's national team if we have time. But let's get to our mailbag, Ask the Mainland podcast. You can ask us anything you want. Uh, just uh, hit us up on Twitter, at the mainland, and uh, use that hashtag, AskTMLPC. That uh, stands for the mainland podcast. So AskTMLPC, uh, you can do that uh, on Twitter, at the mainland, or you can hit us up on our email. Uh, it's the mainland at gmail.com. Yes, we don't have a corporate email account because we're cheap. Um, but, you know, it'll work. It'll reach us. So, uh, Dave, I'm going to let you start because I know you have a question that came to you directly. So why don't you get us going on the mainland uh, mailbag here? 
So a uh, friend of the show, Mark Johnson, asks, so now that OCSC is all but eliminated from contention, what are the chances the Pride win the NS- NWSL championship? Uh, I think that the Pride have a very good opportunity here because if they get in, uh, they basically have one game they need to win on probably on the road in order to get a home game in the championship. If they get a home game in the championship, I'm going to... I'm going to assume that this city will turn out in droves and it'll be a huge crowd. And I think that if they make the final, they're going to have enough support in the seats to uh, to to carry through and win the championship. So I think it really just all comes down to clinching. Get in the playoffs first. Uh, then you're in the playoffs. You're looking at a 50 50 shot, probably, uh, you know, with with the top four teams being all very, very close in uh, in quality. Uh, Chicago is a very good team. Um, Orlando's a very good team and, and on the rise, and that's uh, that's one of those situations where uh, will they end up having to go to Portland or will they end up having to go to North Carolina? I think it will be, even though North Carolina is a better team, I think it's probably a, a better trip to go to North Carolina than to Portland. Um, but uh, you know, if they get in, anything can happen. Uh, I would say they have a pretty good chance. Absolutely, and you know we we spoke about uh, this quite a bit earlier, but um, uh, you know get in, get that first one, and like you say, if if because we we know you know it'd be home for the the championship, and uh, I you know I can't help but I I just feel I've got tingles. I feel really good about this team. It's uh, um, making my heart a flutter. However you want to put it, it's. Uh, <laughs> It's 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 all good uh, with the pride and um, uh, what and almost in everything I write and every time we talk about this, I, I encourage people who um, maybe were you know concentrated on the MLS squad to to go watch you know find it on Lifetime, find it on you know NWSLsoccer.com, wherever you got to go, go watch. Heck, just go watch highlights. Um, it's it's amazing what's going on there. So. Um, but to answer Mark's question, I think um, if they if they get in, chances are really good because I think this is a team that is is starting to. I mean, it, let's put it this way: like I mentioned earlier, they they didn't have the same start as all these other teams do. So you know, these people are just getting the pieces together. I think that they're growing and they could peak right at the right time. Yeah, I mean, I have some concerns about the way that the defense has given up a couple of chances here and there. Uh, but other than that, I, I think that the, the pride has been very solid all season. Um, and, you know, they got some good news this week. Jasmine Spencer should uh, return Saturday uh, against Boston as uh, she has recovered from a hamstring problem after sitting out last week. And uh, also some reinforcements, Dave, this week. Uh, a couple of midfielders signed ahead of the roster freeze. Uh, Joe Blankenship and Jordan O'Brien. I don't know much about them as players, honestly, but I do know they had good college careers. They've been training with the team since 2016. Mids, they came in midway through the year as training players. Um, in fact, uh, not a lot of people know this, but Laura Alloway has actually been training with the Pride since she got uh, released. And uh, she just signed a, a, a two-year deal uh, with a team back in Australia. So 
she's got a new team, so we wish Laura Alloway the best of luck. But yeah, the these players, uh, you know, they they have to stay in game shape and stay, you know, stay uh, sharp. And so players that aren't even getting paid by the team are coming in and uh, and just being practice players. And that's uh, what Blankenship and O'Brien have been doing. And they were rewarded uh, with uh, some roster spots here through the rest of the season. So uh, they may have an opportunity to get in and, and make an impact and certainly provide some depth for the team. I think that um, the midfield has been a very good strength for the pride this year. Uh, when you look at the defensive midfield and, and how Alana Kennedy and, and Danny Weatherhold have played together. And then of mm-hmm. course you look at the attacking midfield and you see uh, Camilla and Chi <laughs> Abogagu who scored uh, this past week. I, you know, I forgot to mention that she was the one that opened the scoring. Uh, and uh, of course, Marta, you can't forget about her. And uh, you know, it's just been an amazing uh, ride to watch this team kind of get all on the same page, especially after Alex has gotten back and gotten back into the, the, you know, the groove, you know, chemistry wise with the team. So uh, it looks like things are, are looking very good for the Orlando pride. Uh, but I'm one of those people that I don't count my chickens until, you know, they hatch because I'm a Cleveland Indians fan. You might've heard something about a three, one lead last year. So, um, you know, there's never a sure thing. So uh, let's get some points uh, ladies and get clinched and get into the playoffs and then anything can happen. That's right. Uh, okay, so thanks, Mark Johnson, uh, with the great uh, 1980 U.S. hockey team name uh, for that uh, email. We appreciate that. I got some more uh, to talk about here from uh, our mailbag. Our old buddy Brent Petkus, who used to write for us, uh, asked la- he asked last week about the uh, four-game ban and what our thoughts were on that. And, of course, at that time, it was just breaking. Uh, and it wasn't really uh, – I didn't hadn't heard anything official. But, of course, now it's been made official. Four-game ban from the supporters group going to Atlanta games. Um, my thoughts, Dave, are this. I think that with one game left there this year and then next year, they're only going to play there one year or, or one game next year. Uh, I think four is probably too harsh uh, for the actions of just a few people. I think that um, it, it probably two would have been s- sufficient because that would have taken them uh, through 2018 before they could go back uh, and in 2019 to a road game uh, as a as a supporters group uh, unit. They um, certainly are welcome to buy tickets and sit wherever, uh, but not uh, they're not going to have the you know the the protection, police escort, uh, and the march and the the you know, all of the things that go along with uh, being in the supporters group. So um, I thought it was a little harsh, Dave. What do, what do you think? It's a little harsh, but, you know, we're talking about a team that is is more so desperately trying to make this into a rivalry than we are. And one way that you can do that is to uh, piss off the other team's supporters <laughs> group. So, uh, you know, well, I'm not I, sure really that I, I don't have the I details. That I don't know that it, I don't I, I just don't know that Atlanta had to say, I think, MLS and and probably to some extent, Orlando probably had some some idea of self-imposing uh, in there in, in the investigation. But it was a, a, a joint investigation between Orlando City and MLS, so um, it's hard to say you know where the four games came from. But uh, at the end of the day, I think the four games is probably harsh. Probably two would have been fine. Maybe three. Probably, but you know what? Um, yeah shenanigans happened and you know when shenanigans occur well then guess what consequences also happen so uh what we would hope for is that uh um uh, the supporter groups take that uh take that 
ban um, and don't worry about Atlanta. Just uh, take it as a lesson it should be. And when you head other places, let's uh, conduct ourselves as worthy Lion supporters and, um, you know, kind of move on from there. It, it is what it is. Uh, I agree it's probably a bit harsh, but what are you going to do about it now? Right. The the yeah, I mean, that's great. I mean, the the. The great thing about this, it gives it gives the Ruckus and Iron Lion firm an opportunity to, to you know, educate their their members and to you know move forward past this part by you know making sure that everybody conducts themselves with class. I think you always want your you know you're a representative of Orlando City. You're wearing that purple shirt on the road. You represent your club, and you want your club to be seen as having class. I I, I right. certainly do. Right. Um, Absolutely. So. I think this is an opportunity. Always self-police. If you see knuckleheads getting out of line, you know it's it's up to the group to to bring them into line. And and I think that for the most part, I think every incident has been you know just sort of one or two people here or there. I certainly think that the majority of the folks in the supporters groups have have been you know decent and and upstanding citizens and good representatives of the club Uh, but it only takes a couple to make you look really bad to make the whole organization look bad so um yeah i think it's a good opportunity uh for the for the uh, supporters groups to to you know to take care of their of their folks and and just to make sure everybody's on the same page and saying hey we want to have a good time uh we want to represent our club well and uh we want to be keep everybody safe well, and that, as an example of that, you and I are both um, members of the American Outlaws, and there's been times in the past where uh, there's been, you know, chance or this or that, where um, it's it's been not great, yeah. and word has gone out that you know that's not what uh, we as an organization are about. Mm-hmm. And um, like you said, self-policing can take care of a lot of that. Um, you know, I know that there's. <laughs> There are plenty of responsible adults that uh, that are in those groups and that man that wall. So, uh, like you said, just take the opportunity, make the most of it, and you know what? Ah, hell with Atlanta. <laughs> I don't like Atlanta. I don't like that. I don't. I don't. I really don't want it to be a rivalry, but you know. It's... I don't like teams that I feel have gotten uh, a little bit too much leeway from the league, and I think Atlanta. And New York City qualify as that, and I think the LA Galaxy qualify as that as well. So, great. Uh, so two out of three of those are supposed to be our rivals. Wonderful. <laughs> well, you know, it's nobody said it was going to be easy. This whole MLS thing. Um, let's go to Flip from Twitter. Flip has a couple of questions. I appreciate uh, those coming in via Twitter um, a couple of days after we recorded last week's podcast. First question is: Which OCB players will be the next to sign an MLS contract? Dave, what do you think? Oh, uh, let me think. Um, and I got to think of who's already on a roster that's already that's just kind of floating down. Um, uh, let's see. I'm blanking. What do you got? And let me <laughs> think of it. Well, I think you're right. It's like most of the of the OCB guys that have been. Um, yeah, that you would think would get would, that you would think would get call uh, the call are already on MLS contracts. They're just playing, exactly yeah just playing down. So um, you know guys like De Silva, obviously, right. uh, and Larea, they're already Larea. on MLS contracts. So Edwards, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think that you you know there's a few possibilities. I think that you know for my money, maybe uh, somebody who hasn't really seen the field a whole lot. I think that maybe you could see. Um, 
a Joe Gallardo uh, get mm-hmm. a, because he's a young player that I think they're very high on and has a lot of talent. Um, I think you could see maybe potentially a um, situation where they offer, I don't know, it's hard to say. It's really hard to say, but I, I think that certainly the one that jumps out at me right off the bat is Gallardo. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's a, a young kid. I think they would have liked to have uh, – I can't say that they would have liked to have had David Loera sign it because they could have offered him in a MLS deal. Uh, but I think David Loera, even though he's at North Carolina State, is a guy that's going to be a future Lion uh, he's a guy that played some some games for uh, OCB, so he's another guy that I would kind of count in there, even mm-hmm. though he's uh, he's not uh, he's not done that. Um, but uh, yeah, David Loera is a guy who, uh, in fact, um, I think he had an assist in his first college game with NC State, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and also, David Loera and uh, David Norris, uh, both from the academy, have played every minute for the first. Uh, a couple games of NC State, or at least they did uh, the other night uh, in their most recent game. And I know they both played in the first game as well. So uh, good on them. I, I think that there's a good crop of academy guys right now that are in college instead of with OCB. And I'm not really sure why they didn't get um, homegrown deals offered. There might be some, you know, that's something I'm probably going to have to ask uh, Nikki Budalich about um, and, and get the story there. But because um, it certainly seemed like they probably have at least some of those guys have a future that ended up in college but uh, at the end of the day jordan morris went to college too right yeah and you know and that's that's a fantastic thing for us to talk about in the offseason <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i will I, you know i'm going to try to get a hold of uh, of nikki and see if i can get a some word on that and maybe get an official uh response about it so uh that's a good question uh flip i have another question from flip wants to know uh, what's the latest on the new training facility at Lake Nona? Uh, the latest flip is that uh, the plan is still to get that built, and it won't probably be done until uh, either late in the 2018 season or between the 2018-2019 season. Uh, the the team completely backburnered that project uh, when they went all in on paying for the new stadium privately, so uh, that got pushed to the back. And they also didn't want to have two giant construction projects going on at the same time, so uh, it, it did unfortunately push back the Lake Nona facility, uh, but uh, that's still in the works, and uh, I expect that that's going to be a, a sparkling new facility when it opens I don't have anything to add. No, nothing to add. Okay. That's why Dave's the best sidekick in the business. I am the best in the business. <laughs> I've got nothing to say yeah. about that, sir. Uh, all right. So here's a question. It seems to be about the pride uh, mm-hmm. from David G on Twitter. What do you both think about the new addition to the pride midfield today? This uh, is this may be the depth they needed, uh, or is this the depth they needed to make it uh, to the championship? Uh, what do you think, Dave? Uh, you know, all right. So... When uh, I found out about this, my my first impression was um, good for for uh, Joe and Jordan because um, you know, like you said, not getting paid, coming in there, you know, being uh, players, uh, you know, uh, training players, and um, obviously they showed enough in that to earn the money. And yeah. we all know it's not enough money, but for them, it's got to be a dream come true because they were doing it for nothing. So now they're doing it for something. Um, and you know, we're not talking about, you know, schlubs here. I mean, uh, blank and chip 
you know, went to L'Oreal Marymount and uh, uh, was uh, helped them win the NCAA tournament in 2014. Um, well, not and, the tournament, uh, right? They, or no, 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 no. Just they, uh, their, the, the school's first tournament game. First tournament game, right. Yeah. Sorry. And then, uh, you know, O'Brien went to Tulsa and, you know, she had 18, eight goals, 19 assists. So, um, and then played with, and I, I love just saying that she played with uh, Kara Reykjavik in Iceland. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and she played in Sweden, so I mean she's she's got some internationals. So uh, you know, I, I think they're good additions. You know, are they the the missing pieces to get us to you know the playoffs? I don't know if if that's the case, but um, depth is good. You need depth when you get late in the season, and these are are uh, two players that I think can help out a lot with that. And um, I'm 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 excited for them more than I am for the team even though they're a part of the team, just because, um, you know, they've worked hard and they're getting the opportunity. So uh, I, I I think it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, my take on this is that it's good to have that depth, that you, but you hope you don't need it. I mean, if those right. two are playing meaningful minutes in the playoffs, it's probably not a good thing for the pride. Uh, so, because <laughs> right. it means that somebody good is out. Um, you know, somebody that's been there helping the team win all year is out. So, and I honestly, I haven't seen these players play um I, I've seen them probably warming up a few times, but the, and not even known who they were. But uh, I don't, uh, I don't think it's the make or break. But it's always good to have depth. Better to have it than and not need it than to to need it not have it. I always say. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for the question, David. Uh, we have a question from. Oh, please, my use use my real name, Phil. Okay, so Phil on Twitter, not his handle, um, says, should we re-sign Kaká? Do we see Oof. a bump for? Also, do we see a bump for pride in OCB attendance as they make the playoff push? Uh, so I'm going to take the first of those uh, questions, uh, Phil, first. And I'm going to say, should we re-sign Kaká? I, th- I don't think economically it makes sense uh, to re-sign somebody who's going to be 36 years old at the uh, beginning of next season and who has not um, performed uh, although I think he's done okay, I don't think he's performed like a designated player this year. And I, I really think that the league has gotten so much better over the last few years that, you know, if you're going to pay $7 million, you better have a Giovinco out of that $7 million. Uh, you better have somebody that is a game changer. And I don't think that Kaká has been a game changer. I think he's made some great plays. I think he's certainly uh, made some magical moments, but I don't think he's changed games. And, um, I think that's what you need for $7 million, and it's certainly something you need from a designated player. So that's my take on that, and we've actually talked quite a bit about that on the site today. So if you go to themainland.com, you can uh, find those stories about Kaká. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Should we? Uh, No, I don't think we should. Uh, That's a lot of money that can go to a lot of other pieces that uh, could help uh, Orlando City, um, you know, next season and going forward. Um, will we is a different question. Right. That is um, definitely a different question. Yeah. Which, you know, the answer to that is, well, I, I kind of think that's up to Kaká. Um, but, um, you know, no, but to answer the actual question, should we? No, I do not believe so. I think those funds could be allocated much better. Um, and, don't get me wrong. I love the guy. I love some of the things he does. And, um, you know, 
most of the time he's out there, I think he tries hard. I think he even does some things that other guys are not ready for. And I think some of the some of the, the heel kicks that he makes and the passes that he makes, the other guys are just standing there going, oh, what? Okay. And they're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. But that's up to the man who was world player of the year to know what his teammates can do and play accordingly. So certainly, certainly. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, as for the second uh, part of the question, Dave, uh, do we see a bump for pride and OCB attendance down the stretch as they get ready to make the playoffs? I damn well hope so. Because if I, if, if it hasn't been apparent yet, I've been advocating this for weeks now mm-hmm. in every article that I've been, that I've written about any of this and every podcast we've had, go out and watch if you can't get to the stadium, watch online. Do whatever you can because we're talking about two teams that between them haven't lost in 16 games, damn it. So, um, gosh, you know, if if you're complaining about the on-the-field product with the uh, MLS squad, well, then go support the on-the-field product with uh, NWSL and, and, and uh, USL. So um, my – will we see – I think we will because I think, you know, I think that you know, when people hear playoffs, they'll, I think they'll, they'll step up. I think we will see a bump. Is as big of a bump as it should be? That remains to be seen. But if, if, you know, if anybody is listening to us and if they take anything that we say to heart, good grief, go out and support these people because they are playing their butts off right now and they deserve it. I think we'll see a a slight increase down the stretch for both, but I think more so for the pride than for uh, the USL team. I think that, I still think there's a, a little bit of a, you know, a, a hesitancy on people going to see the USL side because they they feel like it's an inferior. Pro- I don't know whether it's a, they feel like it's an inferior product or what, but I definitely don't think that there's as much respect for the USL side as we used to see when Orlando City was the USL team and that was the the highest uh, level we had here. I think well, if you- I think there's a, you, a good buzz building for the pride right now, and I think that that's going to that the, the the good thing for the pride is they get some media coverage, so that's yeah. going to help push you know a few more people through the doors. The USL team just really doesn't get that push. No, it doesn't. And then of course the pride. I mean, they've got big names. I mean, they've got Marta, they got Alex, they got Ali. You know, so um, they're marketing names that are going along with that uh, that the USL side doesn't have. And, and when you said um, uh, the they don't think that the USL product is as good. Um, were you referring in regards to versus the pride? <laughs> uh, no, I wasn't. Uh, and, and, you know, I've heard the snarky comments of maybe the OCB guy should be playing in the, in the uh, MLS. No, obviously not. Uh, that is but, yeah. obviously not true. No. Yeah. I don't really want to see – I don't really want to see uh, Riley Craft playing an MLS game no. uh, right now. As much as I like watching Riley Craft with the USL team, uh, I think that the team has – uh, big enough problems without uh, uh, putting in players that are, are USL not ready. level. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, um, yeah, it's it's it would be really nice to see uh, a big bump, but I think we'll see a small bump for you for the USL team, and maybe a little bit bigger bump for the NWSL team. But I'm really hoping that the that the city will start to really get behind them, especially if they clinch um, in a couple yeah. weeks. So. We'll see. Uh, certainly the, the stars are there. I mean, Ashlyn Harris, uh, Alex Morgan, Marta, they, you don't get bigger than Morgan and Marta. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, and then you got Ali Krieger as well and an up and coming youngster like Camilla and, and just uh, somebody that's just fun to watch like Jasmine Spencer. Um, yeah, it's it's it is a team worth checking out as we you know, we've done our part, but, uh, you know, we can't we can't. Uh, 
you know, do it all for the local news and the, the, the newspaper here in town. We can't. Right. We can't, right now, we can only reach so many people <laughs> right. unless you people go who are listening. Go tell other people to listen. Yeah. Go. Everybody listening to this, go tell 10 more people they should listen to our podcast and read our site. That's right. Yeah. yeah that'll help. Uh, you know, that's, you know, one one at a time. Uh, is that all of our uh, emails? That might be all of our, our Twitters, and uh, we do. That was have, still a lot. That was good. That was a very good uh, uh, outpouring of mail for the mailbag. We did have one more question from our good friend Jake Cadenice from the Bent Musket. Uh, Jake uh, wrote to us today to ask if he could come on uh, the podcast, and uh, I said no. We got uh, <laughs> we got a guest already, and he's a person that scored. Uh, more goals on Saturday than both Orlando City and the New England Revolution combined, and 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 more than Jake did too. Yes, well, uh, let's not talk about Jake scoring. That's probably not a good rabbit hole to go down. Okay. All right. Uh, so thanks everybody. Uh, write us at the mainland at gmail dot com or send us uh, your questions on Twitter uh, at the mainland uh, with the hashtag AskTMLPC. Thanks. Um, okay, Dave, we're going to have to wrap this thing up pretty quick. We're going to have to talk about some key matchups and predictions for Orlando City at the New England Revolution. What do you got for me? Uh, um, um, to have any chance on this, we are going to have to try and keep Kai Kamara from scoring, and we all know how Kai Kamara loves to score against Orlando City. Um, so... It's unfortunately going to be uh, the the defense. Uh, I'm including the defensive midfield in that. Who plays? Goodness knows where there's going to be. I'm not sure, but it's that's we're, we're if we can keep them out of the goal. I think that um, God, Dom's got to get one at some point, right? Well, one would hope. You would you would hope that. But uh, there's nobody gonna there's nobody there to feed him the bar. Alright, I'm I'm sorry everybody. I'm just not real hopeful about this weekend. So um uh but New England isn't great either. I mean I know they're good at home. Uh so um our defense is, is my key matchup against uh Kai Kamara and then um my score prediction is a one nil loss. All right, that's very optimistic of you, Dave. <laughs> I I know, I know, I know. Wasn't it your friend, the one that says he hates when you pick against the uh, Orlando City? And yet we were both right last week. Well, you know, sometimes you just have to be realistic. It's just uh, yeah. just a matter of uh, matter of uh, you know being a professional about it, taking your lumps. Yeah. Uh, I see this uh, as a big. First of all, about Kai Kamara, screw that guy. Uh, I will say that. Screw that guy. He walked across. Oh, I hate him. He but, walked you know. across the lion logo on the you know the big circular um, mat that they they put at that mm-hmm. midfield uh, before games, and uh, that just showed a, a lack of class and a lack of respect. And I don't like that. I don't like players like that. I don't think you need to 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 try to get under people's skin. I think it's just go out and let your play do the talking. And uh, so screw that guy. I hope I hope we uh, don't let him score any goals. Uh, I will predict. Um, an uncharacteristically optimistic 1-1 draw. Um, oh. I think we get a goal. I think they've got some defenders out on international duty this weekend. And uh, I don't know who's going to score the goal. But it's probably going to be somebody just out of left field, like maybe a Scott Sutter. Maybe Scott Sutter gets his second goal of the year. You know, when you said that, the first thing that popped in my head was uh, Giles Barnes gets another goal. 
I would like to see that. He's been playing very well of late. In uh, fact, uh, you know, just inches from tying that game the other night. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he scored against Columbus. So, uh, you know, I guess this probably you would have to say it's his best run of form since uh, he's been with Orlando. So uh, maybe he'll continue that and get one. Uh, do we have any uh, – I guess we have – we do have an ex-New England player in Kevin Alston, but I doubt he starts. So I don't think we, I don't think we can go back to haunt the New England with their – but they got an 8-2-2 and two home record. But I think a lot of that is due to some of their starting defenders, and, I, and they're going to be missing some guys. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to go up and get a result. We have uh, been able to get a draw there before in the past. So, um, well, there you have it, Mainlanders. <laughs> uh, uh, I predicted the loss, and Michael was the positive one, right. and predicted the draw. So the world is topsy-turvy. I'm the good guy, and Dave's the bad guy. That's right. Uh, all right, so that, I think, takes care of our uh, matchups and predictions. Actually, I didn't give you my, my key matchup. Actually, I just gave Ooh. you my prediction. The key matchup for me is uh, going to be the every scoring player on Orlando City <laughs> against the net. The net is against right, our strikers. Don't forget the crossbar. Yeah, the, 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 well, I'm including the entire goal. Okay, the entirety so the goal, of the goal, goal. can... Can they beat the goal? They've goal. beaten the goalkeeper a few times, but they can't right. beat the goal. They need to beat the goal. Oh. Uh, so that's my key matchup is uh, I'll just go ahead and say Dom Dwyer against the goal. Oh, I, I won't even tell you what I had visions of. I'm going to wait until next week and go. see if they come through. All right, Dave, before we get out of here, one last thing we'll just touch on real quick. Uh, U.S. men's national team in World Cup qualifying coming up uh, mm-hmm. at, at a totally stupid time that's inconvenient for everyone. At 6:30 on Friday, uh, I'm hoping that that's just like a lot of pregame, and that we'll actually get the game at a decent hour because uh, I got to rush home from work to get to that uh, to get to yeah, watch me that. too. And um, you know, the folks on the on the West Coast, that's completely unrealistic for them. Uh, they have to leave work at midday. Uh, although I hear the West Coasters, they they arrive late and they leave early, so maybe that applies to work too. I don't know. I've never lived out there. Um, so what do you think, uh, Costa Rica? And the U.S. at Red Bull Arena. No Don Dwyer. He didn't get selected. Uh, but uh, No Don Dwyer, but we do have this young up-and-comer named Christian Pulisic. Pulisic? I thought you were going to say Chris Wondolowski. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the words young and Wondolowski go together anymore. Or up-and-comer. Or up-and-comer, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, obviously, um, you know, Christian's going to be Alana. And he is uh, the, the once-in-future king. Um, and, and if people think I'm being, you know, hyperbolic about that, well, go watch the last couple times he played for the U S national team or, uh, indeed for Borussia Dortmund. So, um, he's all the big names are back for this one. So, I mean, you know, Josie's in Dempsey's in, he's in, um, it's, uh, it's, it's the, it's the a squad. It's, it's, it's everybody's back. So I, 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 you know, the Los Ticos, they're, you know, they're up there high in the hex. They're looking to lock up second place, and, um, you know, they certainly are not bad. Do I think we can win, you know, in the United States against them? Absolutely, especially, like I said, um, with Christian back. So I, I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to watching the second half after I get home because <laughs> I, I work later than you do. Oh. And uh, – <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I you know, I, I, I think Bruce has got this – uh, squad believing again, and um, I don't know. I, I feel pretty good about it. John Brooks missing though—that's a, a key uh, that is, loss that's for hard. this against the Ticos. But 
Uh, I think it's at least a draw, and uh, I, I feel good about the U.S.'s chances to get a victory. I think that um, uh, I'll be very interested to see what the team selection is, particularly at left back, uh, where you've got Viafania, you've got Beasley mm-hmm. again. Um, yeah. Beasley will still be getting selected when he's 60 years old, uh, which I <laughs> think it, is next week. But he'll only look 45. <laughs> yeah. I think he's 60 next week. I, I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But, uh, but he'll still look younger than yeah. you do. Uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, Dempsey... Uh, will maybe perhaps uh, break the record in this game and get his uh, get his goal. So I'm I'm, I'm hoping for that. Uh, yeah. I want to see a good a good game. I want to see the U.S. get a goal in the first half. That would be really nice. Oh wow, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to leave it late, but I do want the I do want them to play from a position of strength uh, through much of the game. I'd like to see uh, a lot of interplay between uh, Pulisic and uh, Nagby and. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, um, I, like I said, I think Christian's, uh, he's potentially one of the best, uh, us players we've ever had just as far as a natural, um, player. And, and, and if, if you've only ever watched him on the national team, go watch him, um, with Bruce Dortmund. Um, I mean, he had a brace the other game. I, he's, he's everywhere. He slides left. He slides right. He, he makes people look stupid and he's, he's 18. The reason there's a reason that Borussia Dortmund is on TV every week in the U.S. and and that's why it's not because a lot of people like the color yellow. It's definitely no. It's definitely Christian Pulisic. So uh, I'm excited, Dave, to, to get back to some World Cup qualifying, uh, and I think this one's a good one. And then we uh, we have the game at Honduras uh, a few mm-hmm. days after that, uh, which again that's never an easy place to go and play. But I think that the U.S. has a quality team. I think they can beat Honduras even on the road. Uh, or at least get the draw. I think that, that Bruce will be happy if he comes home with a point there yeah. uh, and, and set up the last couple of games of the Hex, including one here in Orlando uh, against uh, Panama. Uh, as my uh, Van Halen fans out there would know exactly what that meant. Uh, but, so, uh, Orlando uh, City fans, we are sorry for Michael singing there. And uh, we won't really let it happen was, again. It was kind of a half-hearted singing there. It wasn't really like trying to hit the note. It was just kind of like, you know, putting it out there just throwing it out there uh but yeah uh panama uh comes to orlando city stadium on uh october 6th so that's going to be the that might be the clinch date right there that could be the day that, that could be the u.s clinches that'd be really nice to clinch here at home so anyway uh we will be back next week to talk about all of this orlando city uh at the new england revolution uh i, I really have a hard time with their name because it's just so many syllables um <laughs> The Orlando Pride at home against the Boston Breakers. Orlando City B uh, at home against Bethlehem Steel FC. And uh, the U.S. men's national team against Costa Rica. And uh, we will we will be happy to come back and break all of that stuff down for you next week at the same bat time and the same bat channel. Uh, and, of course, the night that we're going to record this is the night that they play at Honduras. So you and I are going to get that. We're just going to fly through next week's show. Yeah, it'll be like, hey, everybody, how's it going? And we're done. We might, I might even call an audible and record Wednesday night and and, and post it Thursday. That that's a possibility. We might well, maybe maybe we'll flip the Pride Pub to Wednesday and have the podcast land Thursday so that we can both fully watch the game and and talk about both U.S. men's national team games. That could be that could be happening. I'll, I'll, well, if only we had the editor to make that decision. Oh wait. Yeah, well, you I, are the editor. Well, I did say that I might call an audible, not that Gavin might call an audible. 
Uh, oh, or, right. Or, yeah. or, you know, or Dave or right. uh, Scott Carnival or somebody like that. It, it would yeah. be my decision. So, yeah, that's I, I uh, I'm going to think about that over the weekend and I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> okay, well, you let me what I got. Let me know what I got to do, boss. That's all right, all right. Uh, okay, so everybody, thanks for listening to episode number one hundred and one of the Mainland Podcast. We really appreciate that. Uh, thanks, big thanks to Michael Cox of OCB uh, for coming on the show, and thanks to Lucas from Orlando City Communications for setting that up. Uh, we will be back next week to break down those uh, games, as I uh, just mentioned, and uh, we will be very much looking forward to a weekend of soccer where we don't have to have three teams playing in one day, although the Pride and Orlando City are playing at the same time again, because uh, we can't get away from this uh, for about another couple weeks, uh, and then uh, hopefully it will, it will it will get better. It will get better, because then on the 16th, uh, the Atlanta-Orlando City game is a is an afternoon game. Orlando City B plays that night, and the Pride is off that weekend. So, uh, because the, that's an international Ooh. window, and the U.S. will be playing New Zealand the night before that. So, uh, we will have plenty of soccer to talk about and to write about over the next few weeks. Uh, so, thanks everybody. On behalf of David Rowe, I'm Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com, signing off, as I always do, by saying, Go City! <laughs>